Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Thank you, team. See you back up here in a little bit. Well, good morning to you all. Once again, I guess that's the second good morning. Well, we're in a series called Creating Space, and as I was preparing for this message today, it reminded me of an experience that I had that um, I wanted to share with you. So before I, before I came on staff here at Worcester Naz, I worked for a software company, and in that role, traveled a good bit here and there, and I know sometimes we might have certain stereotypes to think about, and I used to think about business travel and business trips as kind of this really glamorous thing, and the reality is that that's not always the case. I can all honestly remember a trip. We were in Cincinnati one time and probably got up stupid early in the morning to get on a flight to get down there. Spent all day in the office talking with clients. Probably had to wait till they all left to, so we could do some things. And we were so tired by that evening when we were done. My coworker and I, we literally stopped at the gas station between the client's office and our hotel, grabbed some Funyuns and some Cheetos and some other things, probably some Mountain Dew, went back to our hotel rooms and sat down and watched the basketball game, and that was our glamorous business trip. Um, the reality is along the lines, sometimes we did have trips here and there that were a little bit more like what we might envision and really hope for. There was a trip one time we went to Atlanta, and this trip, the client actually said, we're going to have some free time, so go ahead and bring your golf clubs, which is what we all like to hear in the business world. And so we brought our golf clubs, myself, and Big Smooth, that was the sales guy that was coming with me. And Smooth, if somehow this gets back to you that I mentioned you today, I miss you, bring your clubs, let's go golfing sometime um, here in Worcester. But we had some time to golf with our client and went to this really, really upscale, nice, gated golf community to play this unbelievable course, and we were completely spoiled. So as we're playing this course, I'm noticing these houses along the fairways, like, they're just huge. I mean, huge. Take whatever you think is big and expand it a little bit. And that's what these, these homes are like. And I'm just kind of taking it all in as we're playing. And, and our client, who was from that area, said, take a look at these houses and tell me if you notice anything different. And I'm like, well, they're like bigger than most homes I've ever seen. But other than that, no, he said, notice like all these homes have these huge glass windows and everything, but there was no curtains. You could see right into all the homes. And not only could you kind of see into these homes, but you noticed that there wasn't a whole lot in the homes, in those rooms that you could see into. And he said there's almost this little like um, epidemic that everybody wanted to get in this area so badly that they would spend all the money they had on the house and then not have any money left over to actually furnish it. So you had these big glamorous homes, but yet individuals were strapped so tight they couldn't even put in the basic furnishings that most of us would have in our homes. You might say, okay, what's the point of that story? Well, the point of that story is that today what we're going to talk about when we talk about creating space, the C word for today is capital. So we're going to talk about finances. And before any of you can say, okay, here we go again. No, I want you to really focus in because this really is a message of hope, a message of transformation, 
and a message of blessing that I want us all to hear as, as we're thinking about this. But this, this, this picture that I had, this, this physical picture in front of me while we're there was really a picture of how culture has baited us into this idea that we've, we've just got to stretch ourselves so thin to meet some standard or meet some man-made goal or man-made ideal in our lives. And I'm curious this morning, I know most of you won't raise your hand, but anybody here ever experienced some financial stress in your life at some point, right? We all have, yeah. Hands go up everywhere because we can all relate to that. And unfortunately, in our world this day, financial stress has probably become a normal part of most of our lives. And if you haven't experienced it, you know somebody who has. And if you're not experiencing it right now, you probably will at some point. But we've, we've created this culture where it's almost normal to be, to be steeped in debt, living paycheck to paycheck. And really, we have to ask ourselves, what for? And having no spare space, we're talking about space, creating space in different areas of our lives. But having no spare space may be normal but I'm here to tell you today, it is not what's best. It is not what's best. And honestly, it can spell trouble in a lot of ways. It can spell trouble in our relationships, for sure. But when I say financial spare space, what I'm talking about is there's some money left over at the end of the month, or there's some money left over at the end of the week, however you, however you operate. And when we have that financial spare space, it enables us to do some different things. It enables us maybe to meet a need. It enables us maybe to do something for ourselves that we've wanted to do. But what it can mean for us is financial peace. And that, ironically, we were scheduling this before the financial peace class, but we do have that, that class that's going to be offered here starting next week. And I think deep down in, a lot of us want that. Regardless of income level, we want financial peace. And it is something when we don't have that, it can overtake every area of our lives, including our spiritual lives. And that's why we've got to address it. That's why we've got to talk about it. Because we all need to grow spiritually, obviously, and this is one of those areas. So unapologetically, we're going to dive into it today. So Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Let me read that again. The wise man saves for the future, creates some space, if you will, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Let me just tell you, wise people have more than they need, and I don't just mean money, but wise people have more than they need. Foolish people spend all that they have and then some. Now, wise people have enough to meet all their needs, and their bank accounts may not be the largest, but there is a piece there that we can't deny. They've learned how to handle resources that God's blessed them with in God's way. And I wanna, I wanna say this today, that I believe this, this financial spare space, it's not, a, it's not an issue of math or numbers and not even income. And that's evidenced by the story I shared with you. But this issue of spare space in our finances with our money it's really a heart issue. And I'm gonna dare say a spiritual issue. So first off, we've gotta settle the issue of lordship in our lives. 
Before we talk anything more about dollars, we need to talk about the Lordship in our lives. And we like to say Jesus as our Savior because we recognize that. We recognize we need a Savior, and we, we want the blessings and the benefits that go with that. But I think sometimes we have trouble with saying Jesus is Lord. Or maybe we say it, but we don't truly live out what that word Lord means. So we've got to settle this lordship issue in our lives. We've got to put God first. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, we've got to be determined to not let our heart be lured by money, by material things, but our money needs to follow our surrendered hearts. I'll say that again. Don't let your heart be lured by money, but have your money follow your already surrendered heart to the Lord. Matthew 6, says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Need, that's a funny word, isn't it? I, um, in our house, one of my favorite, favorite statements, I just love it when I, when I hear a statement that starts with, Dad, I need, or honey, I need, <laughs> careful, careful, she's on the front row, she's on the front row. I know, I know, she's there. Um, usually one of those statements is followed by, by me. Do you really need? Let's talk about the word need. <laughs> what does need really mean? Dad, I need these shoes for basketball. Well, I played in shoes half the price of those, so do we really need those? Or, um, honey, I need... A new purse. Um, I'm <laughs> I know the last one was too big, and this one's going to be too small, and then we'll have to get a big one again. And then, no. uh, sorry. Can I go home with somebody else today, please? I, I do this every time, every time. Um, but that need, that need's a funny word, right? And we've all done it. I need. Do I, well, do I really need or do I want? Do I need or do I want? But as we get close to God and we start settling this issue of lordship, we've got to learn to manage the resources that he's provided and entrusted us with and truly be able to, to walk in the, the confidence and the, and the peace and the assurance that when we seek him first, when he is Lord of our lives, he truly will take care of everything that we need. My shoes might not have the right logo on them, you know, whatever. But he's going to meet the needs that we have. And I would say he's a gracious enough God that he also blesses us with a lot of the wants that we, that we desire as well. He's that good. So we've got to settle this lordship issue. And, and for me, as we talk about this topic of finances and money, money was my lord. It was what I served, and 
from out of college up until I had an encounter with the Lord, you know, there was about, I don't know how many years in there. But it was my Lord. It really was. And for those that don't know, we built here in 2006, this church, but before that, we were down the road about a mile. And I can remember the service there. You know, I, I was wrestling with this lordship issue and thinking I was doing pretty good, putting God first in my life, and it was just impressed that day on me. I can remember where I was standing in that, in that sanctuary. It was like, Joel, if, if I'm really gonna be Lord of your life, that means in every area, every area, including your finances, because he knew what was on the throne in my life. And he knew that what he wanted to do in and through me wasn't gonna happen unless every area of my life was surrendered. And so when he asked for finances to be placed under his lordship, it wasn't doing it to squelch me or to hold me down. It was doing, he was doing it to free me up. He was doing it so that then we could then start walking and creating that space that's needed in order to follow him and do what he wants and not just have myself on the throne. That's part of my story. Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In Malachi 3.10, the verse that we all cringe to, to say here from the pulpit because of how it's been said before, but bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you know that only about, that 80% of people in this country only give on average about 2%. 80% of the people only give an average of 2% away and keep 98% for themselves. Nearly all of their heart goes to the world. And they, they think that accumulating more of the world is gonna satisfy all their needs. And let me tell you, that does, it doesn't work that way. But that's why this is really a spiritual issue. And God's spoken through his word. He says, test me in this. Try me now in this, is what he says. And it's his promise. If we believe any promises in his word, that means we've gotta believe this promise as well. And he says, test me in this. And he'll bless us with the rest. It teaches us and trains us that, that God truly can be trusted. That he can do more if we surrender all of it to him. But he can do more with leaving 90% in our hands than if we keep it all for ourselves and try and do it on our own. This is faith building. It's practical. It's tangible. It's a faith building practice. And this is where I, I could be tempted because it says test me in this. I could be tempted to give you a list of ways that, that he might possibly bless you or pour back into your life if you do this. But all I can do personally, I think the best thing is to tell you one of the things that he did for us. We were two income, no kids, financially a wonderful place to be. But then he blessed us with children, and so two incomes became one as my wife decided to come home, and then 
God knew what he was doing because he knew where things were going, that one, inca- one income became a lot less when I stepped out of that business role, that software company, and came here to, to, the, to do his work vocationally. Um, but one of the ways he blessed us, a lot of times we might think if he's going to bless us that this pile of money is going to show up or, or whatever, but he can do it in a lot of different ways. And if you remember back in Deuteronomy 29, the Israelites were in the wilderness, and one of the things that God did for them was their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out. Well, during that time where we went from two income to one and then one income to a half, we also started expanding our family. And it was about three and a half years later than we planned. Went through some, some struggles there trying to have kids. But we started expanding our family. So now we've got four toddlers on this income that's nowhere where we used to be. But would you know that sometimes God works in our waiting? And that's a message for another day. But because of waiting to have children, our siblings had kids and had three children before our first was born. And so wouldn't you know, for many, many years, our shoes and our clothing didn't wear out because we had hand-me-down after hand-me-down after hand-me-down from our siblings who bought brand-name clothes and their kids grew out of them before they could be worn out. And so we were blessed in that way. So that's just one simple way that God, God blessed us. But can we take this to heart that when he says, test me in this, and I will pour out on you, and I will bless you in ways that you can't imagine, to really know that he will do that. He will take care of you. Because we're, we're moving and we're, we're being obedient to his word, and he's gotta be faithful to his word because he doesn't lie. And if we can believe that, then we've gotta we've got truly get a hold of this. We've got to be reassured that God really does love you, that really does love us. And when we say no to many things in this world, then we can say yes in obedience to him. By saying yes to him and, and putting him first in this area, it really does help break, break that curse, break that hold of materialism and consumerism that so many of us can fall into. And as you put him first, you really will begin to see that he is working and he is providing in your life. And it'll build your faith like you can't imagine. For me personally, it was that moment of of the great return, of returning that 10%, the tithe, that broke that curse in my life. Because that that was one of the things that I was holding on to that kept him from being on the throne that kept him from being first. And so before he could, he could work in this area of my life, I had to surrender it to him completely. And that's when, that's when I could physically feel that lift, that burden lift is when I surrendered that to him. So first and foremost, we have to, we have to get that settled. Is he Lord in my life? As we handle, talk about this issue of finances, before we talk anything about money, about dollar values, we gotta say, is he Lord of my life, because if he's not Lord of every area of my life, that's gonna be a, it's gonna be a struggle. We're gonna have a really difficult time entering, entering into that, because we are so tied and we're so held by our finances, by our money, by this culture that has made everything about that. So we've gotta settle that issue. And once we've settled that lordship issue, 
then I believe we'll start to see that he helps us in, in, with his wisdom and his direction. He helps us to become content in the resources that he's entrusted us with. And that's really the word for today that we need to walk out of here with. I believe all of us is content. Can we be content doing things God's way? Can we be content with maybe giving up a little bit here, a little bit there, so we have spare space in our finances so that then we can walk in whatever he calls us to walk in and not be bound by it? So then maybe we have a little spare space where we can bless somebody when he, when he asks us to do that instead of having to be a disobedient because he's not truly been on the throne of our lives. Can we be content? First Timothy 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Man, that's convicting. That's convicting to be content with purely the true basic needs that we need. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. He says, godliness with contentment truly is great gain. When priorities are in order, are in, order in our life, life just keeps getting better. And I'll, and I'll tell you, firsthand knowledge, firsthand experience, the love of money, it, it truly is, it's a black hole. It really is. It's a black hole. What did it say here? It says, um, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That truly is the way it is. It really does pull you down into this life of, of really inner turmoil. We, I told you, we were, we were two incomes, no kids, in a, in a great spot financially. But I wrestled, that was me, I wrestled every day with this inner turmoil because of my love of money. Our culture tells us it's never enough. Just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. We don't naturally think about how can I create some spare space. We just think about how can I create more income. We don't often think, man, how can I set some aside to do God's work? We think, man, how can I set some aside to feed my own pleasures and my own desires? So until Christ really is Lord of our lives, until we're really doing it his way, there's gonna be that inner turmoil. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how little money you make. That turmoil is gonna be there. I think about those people that had those houses on that golf course. And as much money as they had to purchase that home or build that home, they had to be living in turmoil because they were stretched so thin. And there was physical evidence of that. It really boils down to the, like, there's spaceless living is what we're doing. We've got no financial space in our lives. And it creates and it just perpetuates that I need more than I currently have. And no matter how much I have, just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. 
you know, I think about, and I, I witnessed this, and I was one of them, that the young families, what, what happens when, when we as young people, young adults, we kind of get out on our own, and we instantly, we want the lifestyle that our parents are living that took them 20, 30, 40 years to get there and be living that lifestyle. But culture has told us that we deserve that. We're entitled to that. That's what we should have. And so we start off right off the bat trying to, to meet this cultural standard that just leaves us empty. We have a really hard time dealing with being content to being okay with trusting God to meet our needs, to setting aside some spare capital to do his work. Proverbs 15 says, better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. I can still remember, I just thought of this, I can still remember on a mission trip that we were at at the Bahamas, Eight Mile Island, and part of what we were doing there while we were there was to visit every home on this island, just to have conversation, pray with people, maybe uh, hopefully a door would open, literally and figuratively, to talk about the Lord. And I can remember going into this home, knocking on the door, going in this home, single young man, was in there, and most of us would not have called this a home. Most of us would not even have called this a shed. My shed has a floor on it. This home did not have a floor on it. It was dirt. There was, there was nothing really of value in there. But I can still, as, as we came to the door and he found out that we were believers, it quickly became evident that he was a believer. But honestly, the joy that this young man had was undeniable. And Andrew, I forget if you would have been on that trip, and I really don't know, remember if you were with my group, but it was unmistakable. And I remember leaving there, convicted, blessed, getting choked up thinking about it right now, about how this young man embodied this verse. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than have great treasure and inner turmoil. I saw, saw no turmoil in him. And quite honestly, to this day, if I was living in his circumstances, I don't know how I wouldn't have turmoil because of the, the culture that we have created. But this man was living it. He was living in it. And it just, it blesses me to this day to think about that, of how God was taking care of him. God was meeting every need that he had. And the things that we would say, I need, I need, I need, well, maybe they're just once. And maybe they're just things that are actually creating more bondage in my life. The takeaway from this verse, better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil, is better. It's the word Better. He's got something better for us. And it's really hard to look through the, the norms and the ways of our society sometimes to believe that less is better. But it's, even, it's not even really about less. I've told you, it's not about income. It's not about numbers. It's about heart. It's about trusting that even if I do have less, I really have more because I'm doing it God's way and not my own. 
It means that if I have less, it really is better because now maybe some is set aside and I've got this margin. We're talking about creating space, remember? Maybe there is some margin now where I can do something that he calls me to. And I have yet to really encounter anything in life that blesses me as much as when I do something that I know God wants me to do. And I see the fruit of that. And I think, man, what an unbelievable loving God that he loves me enough that he, he wants to use me to make an eternal difference. Not to have a, a fancier car or a better set of shoes or that $6 cup of coffee. I'm so thankful I don't drink coffee and I don't have to worry about that. Okay, iced tea and an egg McMuffin. All right, that's my, that's my. But man, what, what better thing than to, than to have the Lord truly be the Lord of my life and allow him to direct me and to, and to guide me to create this space so that when he says, Joel, do this, I can do this and receive the blessings that come from that. I have yet to buy anything. I've yet to purchase anything that gives me that much of a blessing. I don't know about you. And I know there's extremes and there's exceptions and all those things, but I'm talking normal day-to-day living for you and I. Man, how can I create some spare space to be at a place where I can be used by God and receive that blessing that he wants to pour into me? Can you believe me when I'm saying, this really isn't about dollar values, people. This really isn't about me trying to get Worcester Nads needs your money. It's really talking about a heart issue. But because of the culture we live in, because of the world we live in, that stuff grabs hold of our hearts. And we've got to deal with that issue. And so sometimes we think, man, all the church does is talk about money. Well, we don't always talk about money. But the reason we feel that way is because, honestly, a lot of times money has a hold of our heart. And God wants to loosen that hold. Because God wants to have all of our heart, not just some of it. And it truly is for our good and for his glory. And I love, you know, Pastor so often talks about, you know, living palms up lives. And that's a good visual when it comes to our finances as well. Put the money in our hands and be palms up. And sometimes he might leave it there for us to do certain things with. And sometimes he might want to He might want to remove it from our hands because there's something better to do with it than what we want to. But we've got to trust him. He's got to be Lord of our lives. And I want to end today with a story. I talked about the first story about the people that have built these. And I don't know the people. I'm not judging their hearts, but it's just an example, a real life one though. But they built these homes and it was obvious that they'd stretched themselves so unbelievably thin to make that happen of a very dear friend of mine who years ago uh, was a developer, computer programmer, super intelligent, super intelligent, was making a great living, great living doing this. Many of us would have loved to have been in his shoes financially. His wife, his wife is a teacher, and so two, two incomes, no kids, in a very favorable financial position. And I, man, I love and respect this person for a lot of reasons, but 
Um, this story, so they're young, they're at this great place financially, and they make a decision. They probably, they could have done a lot of things, but they made a decision to live on his wife's income as a teacher and make sure that all their needs were met, live life in such a way that all their needs were met by her income because what if God called them to do something? He wanted to have that, that, that space, that financial space to be able to do it. So where a lot of us would have said, okay, we got these two incomes and the one's really big, let's live life to the fullest based on that. He had surrendered his heart to the Lord and made this very wise decision. Remember the verse about the wise? And wouldn't you know, years later, years later, God would call him out of that profession, out of being a developer, making big, big dollars. He would call him out of that to come to Worcester Naz to be our administrator. And still is to this day, I'm talking about Ty, if you haven't figured it out by now. And this isn't the story to pump up Ty, and I did get his permission to share it with you. But it's a, it's a great example of creating that financial space so that we can step out and do the things that God wants us to do. You know, after a few more years of doing what he do, had done, Ty probably could have house, had a house in that golf course community in Atlanta. But he had made that commitment to make that spare space. Now, most of us, that, that situation isn't going to impact. Like, God's not going to ask us to do that very same thing. But he might be asking you to bless somebody this week in a certain way. Maybe it's $5. Maybe it's 50 Maybe it's 500 Maybe it's 5000 He might ask you to, to step out of this financial opportunity to do something over here. Maybe he wants you to take a vacation from work to do some sort of mission work or to do, help a neighbor with something. I don't know. But are we in a space and a place where we can do that? Have we created space? And this is what it boils down to. It's not, again, it's not the dollar amount. It's not the, it's not the facts and the figures as much as it is the heart. Have we settled that in our heart that I'm willing to do it God's way so I can do what he wants me to do? Because there's a better way. He knows better. He's got a better plan. And he just wants us to trust him with it. So maybe, maybe you need to do a new budget. Maybe you need to make a line item, spare space. Just create that, that budget line for whatever he calls you to do. Maybe you need to make some change. I don't know. I can't tell you. Maybe, maybe you're doing it his way right now, and that's awesome. And that's awesome. But I want to tell you today, this isn't, this isn't a message to condemn us, to say we've spent, I shouldn't have bought that thing, or I shouldn't be doing this. No. This is a message to say, does God have all of your heart? Does he have all of your heart? And are you willing to create some space to create some space in this area of, your, in our, of our lives, me too. Are we willing to create some space so he's got room to move? 
So there's margin there. You know, God does some of the best, his best work in the margins. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen Pastor Nathan's notes that he uses to preach off of. It will make you dizzy if you try and read them. Some of the best ideas and, and, and thoughts that he has that he's shared with us over the years are written in the margins on those pages. He purposely leaves space on the pages so he's got room to, to add things into the margins as he goes. He gets that message done ahead of time then adds things into the margin. It's kind of what God wants to do here. He wants us to get this settled ahead of time to create some margin so that along the way, if there's something he wants to call us to, something he wants to do, there's room and there's space to do that. And only he and only you know what that looks like in your life. And I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna trust him to guide and direct all of us to do that. That's not my job. But our job here today is to get our hearts in the right spot, to hear this word, to, to look inward at ourselves and say, where am I at? Where are you at? Where are we at? And surrendering everything to the Lord, and that includes our finances. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me as we pray. And these altars, these altars are a great place to pray. And we, we say that often. They're open if you wanna come and pray. And we know you can pray where you're at in your seat. But there is something about putting feet to it. There's something about taking action. So if you wanna come and pray as we pray this morning, we've got a team that would love to come pray with you. And just because you come and pray doesn't mean it's even about this. You come pray about whatever you need to, about whatever you want to. But let's just spend a few moments here as we pray and then as they close with a song, just getting before the Lord about this. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you love us enough that you've given us your word and you've not left any area of our lives out of it. I thank you that you love us enough that, that you speak to us even in areas of our lives where it does step on our toes at times, where we do have to wrestle with it, where we do have to struggle a little bit maybe to, to see what you wanna do, but I thank you that you love us that much because you have something better and your word tells us that, you promise us that. And your word promises us that when we surrender completely to you, that you'll bless us in ways that we can't imagine. And that may be financially, that may be in other ways, but if we're gonna say you're Lord of our lives, we gotta take that to heart, and that is encouraging news today. That I can trust every area of my life to you and know that you have the best plan for me. So God, we give you ourselves today. Speak to us, work in our hearts and our lives so that we can walk the path that you have laid out for us. In your name we pray, amen.